Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers. Thank you, Amanda, for joining me today. I'm going to give a little introduction for my guests so they know who they're about to speak or listen to and hear your story. Amanda Newberry is a mom who lives over in England, and I found, I don't even know how we connected on Instagram, to be honest, if you found me or I found you, but I find that the connection between the two of us was mental health. And so for my podcast, one of the things I like to talk about is the importance of caring for yourself as a mom. And you are only so good to your children if you're good to yourself. And mental health is so important for parents to evaluate and really foster for their own selves. And so that's where we create this connection that you have a history of mental health. You are a mother to two children, I believe a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have a history of postpartum depression with them and that you understand, one, the struggle of mental health being a mom and two, the importance of focusing on that and caring for that and fostering that in your own health. And so I think um, that's why I said, Amanda, please jump on and talk to my audience about that. You're also a homeschooler, which kudos to you. I don't... <laughs> No, I check out right there. And I've heard people say, you can do homeschooling. And I thought, no, I can't. No, <laughs> I cannot. So thank you so much for doing that. And you love to run and I'm a runner myself. So there was just a lot of connections there. Um, and I, I think you have so much value to bring to people and mothers that um, I would love for you to share your story. And let's just chat about the importance of mental health for moms. So thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me today. Cool. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm really, really happy that we got to chat, actually, at last after I think, trying for about a year to sort this out. So it's really good. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah that was a really nice intro. My story goes back quite a way, but I'll just try and uh, make it brief. I've had mental health struggles for, I think, pretty much most of, most of my life since um, childhood, really. It's quite severe anxiety on and off. But it kind of it kind of peaked and troughed and peaked and troughed all the time. And I kind of found ways to just manage it, keep a lid on it, basically, not get rid of it completely. And then I spent a lot of time traveling in my 20s and actually moved to Australia for just over eight years, which I love living in Sydney. And it really I thought I got on top of it then. I was feeling quite good with myself. I was happy and everything. And I was I still have my moments, these really anxious thoughts and moments. But I managed to keep on top of it. And then I had my first child was fine actually with that I was a bit of an anxious mom but I was fine I didn't have depression after my first child August um but I found that I did struggle quite a lot with I realize now with that sudden just change from relatively young independent living in the city and then suddenly life just changes and I didn't realize that till now and I didn't feel it as like a loss of identity I just couldn't my head had, took a while to catch up with my life and I really that started to kind of interfere a little bit with how I was feeling I noticed now looking back but I was okay um and then with our second child we really struggled and we had to go through IVF in the end we had a lot of fertility issues bizarrely the second time around so that put a lot of mental kind of pressure on me for quite a few years and then for some reason I can't really remember why but we decided when I was about six months pregnant middle of winter we decided we were going to move back to the UK. I just wanted to be closer to family. There was stuff going on. Not the smartest thing in the, you know, the world to do to move from Sydney to England in December was not a great idea. 
And I realized now I had quite severe post or prepartum depression, which didn't get diagnosed. But I know looking back now that I was, I look at kind of journal entries and I was not in a good place at all. And then when Ashton was born, I actually suffered with postpartum psychosis, which I can't really explain, to be honest. I don't know why it happened. It's something hormonal, apparently. And I was really quite poorly, but we had we have a really good mental health um, facility here for perinatal mental health. Anyway, we're lucky. It's not in all parts of the UK, but where I am, we had a really good uh, kind of center for women. So I got very good care. But with the psychosis, it generally like nine times out of 10 will end up being severe postnatal depression. You kind of go off into that um, area. And I was quite unwell for a good 12 months. I had pretty severe postnatal depression. It was quite difficult, actually. It was really, really challenging, especially having an older child as well. It was just really hard to um, manage, but I was lucky I had good support and I had my mom and the center. So I, I did really well with it, but I realize now that sort of at 12 months, your care from the, the center kind of stops. And it's like depression doesn't just stop then. And it's quite challenging in that way. And even though I was out of the worst of it, but I knew that I wasn't quite right still. I was just in this kind of gray zone, this in-between, not like struggling every day, but not back to me. There's this weird gray zone that I call it. And I kind of muddled along for a few months. And then six or so months after that, my mum was diagnosed with quite aggressive breast cancer. My uncle, who I was very close to, died relatively suddenly, which was pretty hard. My eldest actually started school at the time and we'd kind of bought our first house and it was just all came crashing down again around Christmas. It literally came crashing down. I was starting to get severe insomnia again, thoughts racing away, getting scared to go out the house. And it was just coming back. And I couldn't believe it because I've been through so much. It's like, how is this happening again? And then on Christmas day of 2018, it was, I had a really severe breakdown. The first of sort of three I had over that month and probably even worse than with my depression, to be honest, because they just hit me like a bus, like really, really hard. So that was the first time that I actually had to go on medication because I just couldn't, I couldn't function. I was so, so unwell, sleeping like two hours a night. Like it was pretty awful. It was the worst I've been, to be honest. But bizarrely, in a way, when I came through that, when I started to kind of, what's the word, sort of just come out of it a little bit, enough that I could sleep and sort of just be myself a little bit again. I realized that I didn't want to live in this up and down and up and down. I, I wanted to like take some really decisive action now to kind of know I was feeling a little bit calmer because the medication did help me in that way just to quiet down my head. You know, it, it doesn't make you, I was very nervous to go on medication because you have all these ideas about what it will do to you, but it just quietened down my head. I just needed it basically. So it helped me a lot. But then I decided I really, I can't spend my life just going in and out and in and out. I didn't want to live like that anymore. So I made a bit of a plan. And the initial plan for me was I'd heard so much about running and mental health. And I just thought, I want to get in on that. I love exercise. I need to get in on that. And it was a January. And it was, I remember the first night I went and joined my local run club. It was icy on the road. It's freezing cold. But <laughs> I just, I need to do this. I can't, like, I need to take some power back, basically. So I went and did it, joined my local club. And running, I knew from that moment, it was it was going to change my life. It really did change my life. Like, I met some, I have met some amazing friends in the club. I just love it. I'm really passionate about running and mental health. And even though it didn't fix me immediately, but I just knew straight away, I'm like, this is it. This is what's going to help me get back my power. And I, I love it. I still run to this day. I'm three or four times a week. I still run. But I also found then that I could kind of incrementally add other bits. And I tried to create this formula for mental health that I call it. And um, I started to commit to my meditation. I dipped in and out of meditation again, trying to heal myself for years, but never really committed to it. And I started to commit to just small sort of 10 minute daily meditations, but really committing to it. 
trying to like learn about mindfulness and learn about how your thoughts. I think I realized that through my kind of teenage and twenties that you just let all these thoughts into your head and you never say, stop, I don't need to like listen to you. Just let them all in. Welcome, you know, come in, come in, come in. And I realized actually I can have some power over what thoughts are going to come into my head. I don't just have to sit here and let them wash into my brain sort of thing. So I learned a bit about being mindful of your thoughts and observation and just awareness, really, you know, awareness of what you let. I'm very like, I'm passionate about eating well. And I thought, I really take care about what I put into my body, but I just let any thought whatsoever come into my brain. And I just need to give the same kind of commitment to my thoughts as I do to my food, which was um, pretty powerful for me. And I started various other things. I tried journaling for a while, um, vision boards, nature. I realized nature is like a really huge healer for me. So I, in time, I found, I call it this formula, but I found this these things that I need to do to keep myself mentally well. And when I look back now over the last couple of years, I can't, it's hard to describe like how much I've changed in that last couple of years, like my confidence and self-esteem and belief in myself. It really is hard to think back of how it was a few years ago, but I know it's because I now put myself first, which sounds really weird as a mom. I'm a homeschooling mom and, you know, my life is now homeschooling and my kids, but I think the, the most powerful thing and the most beneficial thing that you can ever do for your kids is to look after yourself first. So I'm quite passionate about that. I'm ruthless about my self-care and, um, and my kids know that, which is great. And yeah, that's basically my, my story to this day. So um, yeah, I just, I write now in my blog, I write about things that have helped me through my kind of journey to this point and things that will help, I think, other mums and other homeschooling mums in particular. So that's my story, basically. <laughs> I, that's so powerful because I think you went through this entire journey. You had the experience, mm-hmm. you felt the experience, and then you saw that you could, you could change that experience. You had the power to do that. And when you're sick in it, it's hard to see that. And so you yeah. had, to, like you said, you had to dive deep and realize that yourself. And then you created a plan, which I think mm-hmm. is really hard as a mom. You made a good point here saying that you have to prioritize your self-care. And so many of my listeners and my blog readers have children that struggle, whether they're struggling with ADHD, sensory struggles, just challenging behaviors, yeah. or not something's off, you know, at school or at home. And, um, and we naturally as parents just dive into our children. We're like, okay, what am I going to do to fix my child or support my child? And we completely forget about ourselves. And our mm-hmm. own mental health really can start to unwind when we don't think about ourselves, when we just shift everything to something else or our children in this instance. So I think it's beautiful when you said, I have to prioritize myself. And your children know this. And I think this, I preach this all the time. I tell my children, I'm going to go take a bath for myself right now. Mm-hmm. Go run for myself because when you are an adult, I want you to be able to say the same thing for yourself. I'm going to care for myself right now and yep. take that. And it's okay, 100% because you're going to be better for that for everybody else around you once you've done that. Um, so I think you have so many good little points there that I think we lose when we're so deep into whatever it might be, whether it's the postpartum depression or your children struggling in the world and you're just pouring into them. Can you give some ideas on how? You talked about running as you're saying, which I, I mean, I love running. I'm slightly biased. Mm-hmm. But her moms are like, oh no. I, in fact, when I tell people I run, they go, I would not even be able to run half a mile. <laughs> I'm sure you get that same thing too. Yeah, people yeah. Are like, mm, that looks beautiful, yeah. but never happened. But yeah. some other things that you've heard or read or that you've experienced when it comes to the, just even getting your body moving and the importance of that. I think people don't realize that we're such a sedentary world um, now. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think running is quite the opposite. But mm-hmm. do you have any other ideas or tips how people can find what what is their answer? You said you just knew, but maybe you have ideas on how other people will just know. 
Yeah, um, I think like I really like journaling. I think journaling and free writing is a really good way to kind of find um, find not find yourself, but just find maybe things that are a bit hidden in your own head. Like I, I love the idea of just sitting and sometimes I'll have journal prompts or sometimes I'll just write and just say, you know, if you could do if your perfect day could look like this, what would it be like? And I'll write, 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 write. And then you're going to glean little kind of nuggets from there. Yeah. I really think it's good to just like, I believe in trying lots of things. I think there's this notion that when you get to an adult, you always have to do something for a purpose. Like you learn to bake because you want to set up a bakery shop or you learn to play the piano because of blah, blah, blah. But I really like just trying stuff for fun. I think we have that right to still do this as adults. It's not, you know, exclusive to kids. So just try lots of different things. Like I, I also do a yoga class um, every day online. Now I've found you might learn this lady a yoga with Adrian. She's like really, really popular. I love it. I've just found her. I'm like really late to the game, but like every day I'm like, I just love her classes. So, and they're 20 minutes. Like it's great that we can do online classes now because like when I lived in Sydney, it was easy to jump to a studio. Whereas where I am now, there's not much around. So being able to jump online, have a go at, you know, you can do pellet on the biking or you can do yoga or Pilates. I think that's really cool just to try lots of things and something will fit. Or it might just be something like you might not be into that kind of exercise, but there's other ways to really get your body moving like gardening is brilliant mm. walk your dog more um nature walking I think nature walking is so powerful and it doesn't have you don't have to be out in the middle of the wilderness to like be in nature like there's patches of nature everywhere and just being in nature is great try indoor rock climbing like try anything you want like there's such an abundance of stuff to try and like just give yourself the opportunity to go out be playful and try something and then when it you know fits you'll find something you will find something um and it doesn't even have to be exercise like if you're I've got a friend who's just really into knitting and crocheting and that's her like therapy and she'll just sit and do that for an hour at night while listening to music like I think you just have to try lots of different things and find what fits for you and you might be lucky and you know find something straight away or it might take several months and lots of experimenting but that's okay just have fun with it really have fun be playful yeah, absolutely you're right it doesn't have to stop in childhood we spend so much time (laughs) with our children like try this do this and then yeah we're so straightforward as an adult and we don't have to be at all. We should just be having more fun too. That's wonderful. Can I ask then how about relationships? Parenting is hard. It's hard. Even if you have perfect children and the perfect life, it is not an easy thing to be a part of, but when you have mental health Mm -hmm. that you're struggling with, or you have forgotten how to care for your own self. And so then you create, maybe it's not a chemical mental health, but you think start Mm -hmm. creating circumstances where things just are really challenging. Um, How does that work as a parent in a co-parenting relationship? And how do you support co-parenting when you have to also support yourself um, and not get lost in all of that? I think it depends what sort of um, stage the right word or what sort of area of mental health you're kind of in at the time. Like when I was suffering with depression is very different to what I could do today. Like when I was in depression, co-parenting would just be about getting through the day. Like I'd still feed my kids and you'd have the clothes washed and I'd you know, try and do small little bits for them, but it wasn't much. It was just the basics. But then I would think, well, even just literally reading a page of a book that inspires me or lighting a candle and sitting by it. Like, I think you have to just depends what stage you're in. Like if you're in that really difficult time, just take it really, really small. I like to call them like nuggets of self-care. So it doesn't, it can literally be like stopping and listening to a beautiful piece of music for a second or I don't know. I like have I have birds outside my house. So I put loads of bird feeders around, and if I see them, I will literally force myself to stop and just focus on them for like thirty seconds. So I like nuggets of self care work really well if you're in a quite a challenging place. Um, and then if you you know at the moment I'm feeling really good and I can do a lot more and challenge myself more. So it just depends really 
okay. you know, how you're feeling at the time. Um, as regards to relationship with kind of children and family, that, again, like when I was very unwell, my relationships weren't great. I don't think with my older child, I had a lot of like, it's awful, but with um, postnatal depression or postpartum depression, I think you call it, um, I suffered with rage quite a lot. And it's an area of that condition that people don't talk about much because it's you know, there's a lot of shame associated to it. But that was my real challenge and something that I had to work my way back from once I was well. I had to kind of rebuild my relationship with my child. But I think that children, they are quite resilient. And if you're honest and you apologize and you talk to them, like my kids know that I've been through depression. They know what depression is. I've been quite, not, you know, overly, not to scare them, but they just, they, they know what's happened to me. They know that I wasn't well for a time. And I just think having a conversation, being honest and apologizing when you need to. And yeah. And like, I, like I'm in a, so my partner or my husband, Adrian, he works sort of full-time, but on a shift job now. So I make sure that, I'm quite happy to give some of the like the, the homeschooling and the care over to him when he's here. I don't feel like I have to be the one doing it all the time because my life and the things that I do outside of parenting are really important. And again, I need to do them to be a good mom. I need to do them. I need to do a blog for myself. I need to run for myself. I need to read things for myself so I can be a, a good mom most of the time, most of the time, not all the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question if I'm rumbling a bit, but. <laughs> no, that is good. That, well, you said, you know, he does, some stuff too. He has to do, right. This is you co-parent co is too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Single parent with somebody else hanging out in your house. You're co-parent. And I think that idea of the other, your spouse or your partner, whoever might be in that household Mm -hmm. with you, knowing that for your mental health or for Mm -hmm. your family to benefit, your mental health also has to be supported. And that means that they need to take the load at times or they need to do their help. And you would do the same for them, right? This is together. Um, And that I can only imagine how challenging that is if you're a single parent or you're just Mm. going there and um, finding those times. And that then goes back to the nuggets. I I really preach to people that self-care for your own whole body, whether it's a physical or internal or a mental does not have to be this extravagant thing. You do not have to go to the spa for all day or go get your nails, your hair, all that fun. But that is not self-care every day. Self-care is taking the time saying, I'm tonight, instead of a quick shower, I'm going to take a 20 minute bath and just lay there. Or I'm going to not read the, the, the mail. It will be there tomorrow. Instead, I'm just going to pick up a book and read that. So finding those nuggets of time, um, is so good. And then, as you said, your children know, I think honesty, we, yeah. we try to shelter our children and there is a you know, there is, of course, boundaries within what we talk, mm-hmm. about, yeah. we talk about it, but I think the knowing about it is only mm-hmm. a, a support for them to understand where you're coming from. And then, of course, what could possibly happen later on with them yeah. down the road. Um, how does it look when you're when your children, I mean, you have kids and whether they struggle or not in the world, they all have meltdowns. They all have difficult <laughs> moments, right? This is childhood. It is supposed to be so messy and generally it yeah. is. Yeah. How does that work then when you yourself are like, I need to care for myself right now, but my child is also needing me to care for them. How do you find that balance or times to tap out? Or I don't know. I think that's probably one of my most tricky situations when it comes to things. And I do have anxiety. Usually it's in the middle of the night. So nobody's awake for that. But then of course, the lack of sleep the next day is really Mm -hmm. good. (laughs) Um, How does that work when your children are needing you in that moment, but you also need to think of yourself? Yeah, it happens quite a lot, actually. My eldest son, um, he's very highly emotional and sensitive. He's not diagnosed. I think that he has ADHD, but it's quite difficult in the UK to kind of get diagnosis for this. So we just work, you know, we know our child. And he's like, he is um, very emotional and 
quite different to my second child. So we have a lot of meltdowns still and um, difficult times. I think this is why I generally am very ruthless with myself here so that I can cope with these times when they come on. But there are days definitely when I'm struggling, um, like I do suffer with insomnia still on and off. So there are days when I'm tired. I've been learning quite a lot about this recently, actually myself. So I think knowing I'm trying to become more and more aware of when you're escalating a situation. So I am trying to really start to learn like his cues and when I can like jump in and escalate things. And this tips that I've learned like just if things are getting too heated I just sit down and sitting down seems to like chill everything out if you just sit down on the floor or I'm no I think knowing his cues more like I have a bag of lego in different rooms around the house and if things are getting heated and I'm getting heated I'll just think well he needs to chill out I need to chill out let's I just grab lego and start making lego and that'll distract him so it's just more for me personally I can only talk from my experience but learning his cues, learning how to calm me down and him down with one kind of activity, like the sitting down, like the Lego, like I'll just suddenly right, I'll like open the door right into the garden and then we'll just start walking around barefoot. I've just had to learn all these little um, techniques that work for, you know, my, my child and me, basically. So it's something that myself, I have been working on a bit lately. Yeah. Oh, those are good ones. I like that you said, I have that around my house. You almost set yourself up with tools around your house. I but- do because... I've, in the past, I've like been almost like walking on eggshells type thing, like seeing what's going to happen and trying to predict yeah. stuff. And you can't do that, you know. When you're out, it's different. Like out when you're out, it's quite different. But because we homeschool, we're at home a lot more, you know, than a lot of people. So I set up and I just I think about it and I read like what what can I do to help him when he gets like this, especially if I'm feeling fraught that day. Like because I've noticed that when I'm fraught you can you can escalate things so quickly and then it's hard to come back you know and then you always get the guilt you always get the guilt later on so I've just been learning myself like how can I be aware of this I'm not saying it always works like I'm not saying at all we still have our difficult days but just learning those little cues and little things that I know that work for him for August um yeah is all what I've been doing (laughs) yeah I love that well and you said too that this is why you're so dedicated in between those moments so that you yeah they will come that you cannot prevent everything, but that you're more prepared for those. And I think that's such a good piece of advice. And I find that I sometimes want to push snooze. I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to get up and go run this morning, but then I can lay there and think, but boy, what will the rest of the day be like if I don't spend this next hour and a half on myself or the first hour of the day doing what I need to do so that I can handle the rest of the day. So that's, um, and then you are better off, but I love that little tools you've got you said, oh, I just open the door and we walk outside barefoot or I've got the Legos around the house yeah. and it's learning your child and it's setting yeah. yourself up like you did. You said, I've got them everywhere so that you're already prepared. You know, those yeah. moments are going to come, but can you prepare yourself to handle those a little bit better? Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, so, definitely. <laughs> um, I love that you said too, you said you won't not diagnose with ADHD and in America, the, the biggest challenge is really just getting on the, the list for the doctor. Oh, right. it's, it's You can have a diagnosis and okay. you know, every, lots of places, but it's just, you're on this wait list. But we also don't have mental health support. Like you were saying, you have a wonderful place in the UK close to you. And we, we have mental health support, but it is not very, um, not very strong. And it's definitely in the last years, 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 like multiple years really has faltered. And I think there's a shift there's, I hope we're at the beginning of a shift. Um, So that's beautiful that you guys have that support there. And I would love to see mental health support for moms. I think people don't realize that we carry such a heavy load. Our, you know, mm-hmm. our partners help us, but we do carry such a heavy load and we carry it more internally too. I think we are so hard on ourselves internally as moms that needing that mental health, it's just so important. So important. It is. It's very varied here in the UK. It really much depends on your postcode. So where I live right now, if I'd have had Ashton 
here, I wouldn't have had access to the same centre because I was living with my parents when we'd moved back from Australia. It's a more, um, it's an area with more challenges, basically. So there's a lot more funding for mental health oh. and things there. So that's why, whereas if I was living, and I'm literally 20 minutes away, so it very much depends on where you live, to be honest. But I do think, I do think there's definitely a more awareness about mental health. And I do think things are shifting. I think for, it's still quite challenging for young children and adolescents. That's what I found with August. I tried to get some support and it was just impossible. So I think for mums and adults, there's definitely been an improvement. But children and adolescents, I think, needs to catch up. But, you know, it's changing all the time. I think these conversations are happening more and more. So I do feel quite positive about it um, yeah. Yeah, in the future. But, yeah, I, like I don't feel because since we've sort of taken him out of school and he, he is a lot more calmer now and, and we just know a child and we know kind of what he needs basically. So I don't really feel I, I feel happy basically to deal with it in the way we're doing right now. So good. Yay. Mm-hmm. So you have a blog, Momtastic. Mm-hmm. And so that obviously is a great support for mothers to come to. They can read that, they can learn things. Um, mm-hmm. but what are other tips, tools, resources that you suggest for moms out there that mm-hmm. um besides your blog, which I think everybody, and I'll ask more about that here in a minute, but I think yeah. everybody should log in. What are other books, maybe or podcasts or activities that parents should cling to? Yeah, sure. Um, so for meditation in particular, I found that I tried to do it on my own for many years and I didn't really stick to it. And so I eventually, I downloaded one of the apps. I used the Calm app and I found that so, so useful. Not only it gives you like, an, you can do all sorts of different types of meditations. I do them with my children as well, but there's kind of introductions to meditating. There's all different journeys you can go on, but I found just having a guided structured uh, meditation, committing to that daily really, really helped me. And it also has on their sleep stories, which when I had severe insomnia, like really severe insomnia, they were a lifesaver for me. Cause I went from just lying there all night in this kind of state of panic to just listening to nice stories and kind of dozing. So I love the Calm app. I've used it for years and I'm really, really um, grateful to that app. So I think just, yeah, for meditation, I would maybe use an app like that. I've read quite a few different books, actually. Um, actually, this is one of my, I've been reading this recently, Big Magic, which I absolutely love, to be honest. It's, um, it's really good because when I first started my blog, I did it because I just wanted some sort of, it was part of my own mental health formula. I wanted to do something that would spark an interest for me again in, in life. And I'd always wanted to write a blog, but you have all these kind of like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Loads of people do that. You, you know, it won't succeed, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't do it. And then I thought, no, I really want to do that. And I read this book and it's about just enjoying big magic um, creativity for the sake of creativity, which I love by Elizabeth Gilbert. And this really sparked that kind of um, desire for me to think, just go and do it. Don't worry about the outcome. If people read it, just do it. So it was a, a really um, yeah, useful book for me. I've recently found a book, Call of the Wild and Free, which is by a homeschooling mom in America. And I love that. It's all about like the connection to nature and how important that is for kids and for parents as well. So, and I love her podcast actually as well. So I've been reading that recently. Um, And other resources I've used for August. So I find, I don't know, you know, what your readers might think, but I love the idea of sitting there and meditating as a family, but with a child who struggles to sit still meditation doesn't really work that well for him whereas my younger child he'll sit there you know for hours with me doing yoga and stuff so I found that I've read this blog post I'll have to try and find it and it was just talking about different ways to try and encourage 
a child who may have ADHD or just struggles sitting still to be mindful without having to sit there and meditate. So mm. being like chatting about, oh, you know, the food looks really interesting. What different colors are on your plate? Or how does that feel in your mouth? Or when we go for a walk in the trees? Or what does that sound like when the leaves fall? And just finding ways to kind of, I'll try and find that um, in our blog post, but trying to find ways just to encourage kind of mindfulness and mindful living in your whole family, but with a child that might struggle with that kind of, that quietness um, was really useful. Um, Other resources, what podcasts do I, that's all I can think of at the moment. (laughs) Wonderful, you got a book. And I like that. It's almost putting your child in the moment of where they are right now. Yeah. When your thoughts are racing and your energy is increasing, you need to come back to the moment here. Yeah. All of that, it's not going to improve anything until you can center yourself again. Yeah. I really like that. That's such a good idea. Do you, um, you had talked once about your, well, like you talked about a diet, you were, you had to look at your care for yourself. Like you look at the mm-hmm. food that you do. Mm-hmm. You, do you find that that helps how you are, um, that helps your mental health and how you respond and react to your children. If you are paying attention to your diet and your food versus just letting it go off and do whatever. Yeah, I think so. Like I don't eat, I'm not saying I have a perfect diet at all, but we eat a mostly pretty healthy diet. And I do think yeah. Yeah, I do think your diet affects you. I definitely do. Like I generally, for myself, if I have a week where you just don't eat while you're eating in a rush and it's too much of, you know, the wheat and sugar, you don't, you don't feel good. And my head feels, it gets foggy. It gets foggy, definitely. And I think, well, if that's affecting me, you know, my child's body is a lot younger. They're going to be affected a lot more by this. So yeah, I I do think it makes a difference. And I, I have to be very mindful of, like I don't give August and Ashton a lot of kind of uh, sugary stuff, right. but I notice that if, they, if they're somewhere else and they get too much. So I just have to be mindful of that. And I try and keep our food sort of, I make most of the stuff from scratch, lots, lots and lots of veggies. We're vegetarians, so um, lots and lots of veggies and pulses. And I'm just, I'm mindful of it, but I also, I'm realistic as well. Like when we yeah. go to houses and things, you, I don't think, I don't think I could live a completely perfect diet life, but I'm happy that, 80% of the time it's fine so yeah and I do notice a big difference if we've been away or something and food's gone off there's definitely a correlation with how I feel and with how he's kind of responding so yeah 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 that's that's good to just good to know I think we all think about that and then don't realize that and yeah and for ourselves and then we're nourishing ourselves with stuff that might not be the best thing yeah, definitely yeah it's a disaster there so it's good to journal I do kind of journal what I've been eating as well and sometimes it's nice to just I don't know, pick out days where or like weeks where you've not been feeling so good or things have been going on. It's nice to see what you're eating. And I think journaling is actually quite powerful. It's good. You might not get any answers straight away, but then when you can look back over months, it's quite a powerful way to see things or yeah, things that have been affecting you in a good or bad way. Absolutely. That's actually one of the parts of my mentoring program is that um, we, I give, I have a a layout for parents to journal with their children and and then wanted to but their children have eaten because like you said you might not notice one two days but if you look at the trend yeah you can really see how that is and what's going on with your child during that time how maybe there's a correlation between yeah, the yeah. and I think journaling is so powerful um that's how I started to learn about my child years ago I just started writing everything down I didn't know anything I just knew I could write it down <laughs> today is this and dot 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 and then after months I went back and started and um, and then this is what my mentoring program is all about but it's I love journaling for um personal and for facts to learn facts about yourself that you might not have realized so that's wonderful I agree how can people reach out to you if they want to find your blog or talk to you more get some more advice tips to support <laughs> how do they find you my so my blog is momtasticlife.com and I am on Instagram I, I'm not on Instagram all the time but I like to go on there and um yeah just see 
who's around and I'm Amanda J Newbury on Instagram and my email is mumtasticlife at gmail.com so yeah Thank you so much, Amanda, for speaking with me today and kind of mm-hmm. just opening your eye to this. It's such an important topic. And I think, as I said earlier on, moms push this down and we shouldn't be doing that. No. But I really appreciate your knowledge and your information. This is going to be You're welcome. Be nice to chat. You're welcome. <laughs> Yay. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty-gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey.